Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. It is Tuesday, July 18th, and today is National Caviar Day. Oh, yeah. Love me some caviar. It's also Nelson Mandela International Day, National Sour Candy Day, World Listening Day. Remember, you have two ears and one mouth, so you're supposed to do twice as much listening as you do talking. And it is also National Tropical Fruit Day. Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us and getting high at nine with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and audio only on Twitter spaces. And if you would like to participate in the show, you can participate by raising your hand in Twitter spaces if you have a brief comment on the story most recently presented. But without further ado, we are going to kick it off with, that's right, it is the dope dad himself. That's right, it's Rico Lamite. He's still on the vacay up there, chilling at the Holiday Inn. Oh, yeah, flip-flopping around with his sandals on. That's right, it is the dope dad himself, Rico Lamite. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. My story today is about MSOs. So um, the biggest corporate MSOs have been pulling out of established markets of California, Colorado, Oregon. And uh, we begin to see the same happening now in Massachusetts. The reasoning for their exits is debatable, but most likely due to poor sales performance in connection with legacy market communities. But we're not but they are not going away altogether as they've been eyeing retail expansion the opportunities in florida pennsylvania maryland and elsewhere in 2023 for cannabis business times we've seen more mature cannabis markets shrinking on the retail sales front in 2022 for the first time since legalization an initial an initial green wave momentum at least appearing to be slowing down california down seven percent colorado down 21 percent nevada down 15, Oregon down 16%, and Washington down 12. In January, Leaf announced it was closing the majority of its operations in California, Colorado, and Oregon as an uh, optimization effort to reduce costs and streamline its businesses. CEO Matt Darren said the market exits would allow Leaf to devote greater resources to tangible growth opportunities in emerging markets. Among the Big 8 MSO's key growth initiatives in 2023, the Big 8 being Ascend Wellness, Columbia Care, Cresco Labs, Curaleaf, uh, GTI, Green Thumb Industries, TerraSend, TrueLeave, and Verano. TrueLeave announced last month it would be closing a third 
retail location in California and exiting the Massachusetts market in, entirely, including shutting down three dispensaries and a cultivation and processing facility. CEO Kim Rivers said the decision would allow the company to focus on its business strategy of going deep in their core markets. Columbia Care and Cresco announced in November a $185 million sell-off of assets in New York, Illinois, and Massachusetts, notably to music mogul Puff Daddy, which uh, many said was a huge win for them in a poor buy decision at a premium for Diddy, both saying that the move was in part uh, part of their necessary divestures required in a definitive merger agreement between the two uh, companies and connected to their overlapping footprints. The green wave is not rolling back everywhere in the U.S., just established markets. Cannabis reform remains contagious and legalization is still building just in different regions. Nine states have launched adult use cannabis sales since the beginning of 2022, including Connecticut, Maryland, Missouri, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Rhode Island, and Vermont. CBT notes that combined, these states represent roughly 50 million people whose adult 21 and older populations have gained legal access to cannabis in the last 18 months, representing major opportunities for business. For the uh, for eight of the nation's largest publicly traded companies, which I just uh, which I just read off, uh, which have fiduciary responsibilities to their shareholders, capitalizing on emerging markets and anticipated opportunities in states like Florida, Pennsylvania, and Ohio, where adult use legalization could materialize in the not-so-distant future, is definitely the move to make. The Big Eight combined uh, to operate 775 cannabis retail facilities in the U.S., including 65 dispensaries uh, they either opened or acquired so far in 2023, as of July 12th. Specifically, Florida has been a top target of expansion for, uh, this year with no cap on their number of dispensary licensees, and they can, it can serve, uh, it can open to serve a medical cannabis patient base approaching 850,000 people. Not to mention the Sunshine State has the necessary signatures gathered for a potential 2024 adult use ballot measure. The article ends by saying, while many companies are downsizing and streamlining, streamlining their cultivation footprints to match demand in certain markets. That's not to say they're solely focused on retail growth in their vertically integrated operations before pointing out to uh, pointing to Green Thumb Industries CEO Ben Kovler saying in an interview that GTI expands plans to expand its grow facilities towards the end of 2023 and continue opening stores in strong markets like Florida, Virginia, and Nevada, all of which position the company for a strong 2024, end quote. If you're a data nerd like myself, checking out the data sets and information CBD provided uh, paints an interesting picture on what the future might hold for the industry as a whole. I'm interested in hearing what the rest of the team thinks about this one, though. Um, CBT's assessment and if they agree that the Big Eight will find more success in emerging markets than they have with established states. I'm Rico Lamit, the dopest dad on the street. Let's hear it. Yeah, GTI is uh, killing it in Nevada. And uh, so is Cureleaf, so is MedMen, all big MSOs and uh, doing lots of business here. I don't know if you. I don't know if we're allowed to say GTI is killing it in the light of the recent employee death, Todd. All right. So, so what is interesting about this and the fact that they're mentioning CBD and them and, and like trying to cut into that marketplace is that uh, Trulieve lobbied for legislation in the state of Florida that would shut down most of the CBD shops in the state of Florida. And I was wondering why they were making that move. And my guess when I saw that they were lobbying for this law, for this new legislation, was that so that they can 
kind of corner the market because I mean, honestly, the CBD market is out of control. I'm, it is. It's out of control. And, and Nicole, and, I, was, I, was, I was referencing CBT as a cannabis business times. Oh, okay, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But oh, but it's still an interesting track to talk about. Very <laughs> that was one of the that was one of the interesting things though that I noticed about what was happening in Florida. And when I saw True Leave was lobbying for them to shut down these CBD shops, I was wondering why. And that was my guess. Um, you know, as they expand their marketplace and they're going into states that are just um, med- medical only, um, they have yeah. to make sure that there's not a bunch of you know American shaman shops that are, they have to compete with. American shaman shops, huh? Well, I, mean, I don't know if it's necessarily has to do with that, Nicole. I might guess it's more them banking on Schedule Three being the new rescheduling of cannabis. Um, and them having more success in medical markets uh, when that all comes to fruition. How far away do you think we are from that? Has a bill been drafted, Gretchen? No, uh, we're waiting on HHS to make their recommendation, uh, which then the DEA decides if they're going to move forward with it. Um, But they keep promising by the end of the year. So, But even if they did get that in place by the end of the year, it's still going to take time to make regs and all sorts of stuff going around it. So... I don't think so it happens this is immediately. Not something that we have to wait for Congress because Congress is broken right now to actually do. Like the no. FDA can take it upon themselves to just do it. No, this comes from the administration. Oh, interesting. I think it'll be interesting. I'll play it um, overall because I think a lot of these, um, the major MSOs, the big eight, as um, identified by uh, CBT here, um, I think they're better positioned to pivot back to the medical market because almost all of them have footprint in medical markets, right? Mm-hmm. For medical operations. I, mean, I don't know any of them that, that aren't in the medical market. Like they, they all got started in States. They're all in States right. that are medical, went medical first. And so they, they grabbed up those licenses in the medical States first before they went adult use. It seems like they've really struggled once um, retail uh, legislation passed in the established markets and things were taken over to adult use. I mean, but at the same time, Rico, you, you could also say that they've always been struggling since the beginning. It's just they had enough capital in the beginning so then that way people didn't really see their struggles. Yeah, yeah. They, could, they could weather the storm. Yeah. They have a longer, uh, a longer runway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, man, man, oh man, oh man, what are these MSOs going to do? How many people shop at MSOs? Like, how how many customers do you think these Dude, guys see they, a day? I, I think I think they've lasted long enough to to, to control the narrative, and, and you see all of the talk about social equity, all of the talk um, about like any movement going forward in lockstep with government has been MSOs. They've taken over the conversation. Do you think MSOs? Think, oh, go ahead, Gretchen. Well, I and I agree with Rico. I think MSOs have been playing the long game the whole time. I don't think uh, oh, yeah. that uh, they realized the game would be this long, um, which is <laughs> why they are running into m- money issues and paying their taxes, and everybody is. Um, but no, these guys are the best positioned to be in place for when legalization of some sort comes about or descheduling. Do you um, not the little guy? Do you think that uh, do, do you think that MSOs contribute? to the illicit trap market its growth in yeah. what way are they what do you well because i'm just i'm just thinking so a lot of these a lot of these msos are, are are in states where they pretty much control the market them and the other msos 
And so the, I, I believe that there's probably a lot of people that don't want to shop at all with MSOs and give them any of their yes. money. So therefore, they only shop on the trap market regardless just because of the fact that they don't want to put their money into a big corporate conglomerate when it comes to buying cannabis. I don't know about I that. Right. I think you're uh, giving a... – I think you have to be a very informed consumer to know who is an For MSO sure. and who is not. And Absolutely. I don't know if that really, if that knowledge exists in a lot of these newer markets. I think, I, I think, I think when it comes to like actual, I think when it comes to actual like cannabis consumers that 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 purchase cannabis and are like regular everyday everyday smokers, I, I think they definitely do. Well, mm -hmm. well, the thing is, you, what you have to consider is, let, let's use Florida, for example. It's, mm -hmm. it's a medical state. The, the, the biggest medical patient, the biggest demographic of medical patients in Florida are like, you know, over 55. And so those individuals might have been buying from the neighborhood weed man before, previously. Um, mm -hmm. And they're buying, you know, so they can smoke little small amounts. But once it came onto market, it was medical, and they're talking to their doctors about using cannabis, a lot of them switched over to using the, the regulated market they don't know the difference between an, what an mso is and what it and what it isn't and since their only option were msos they were just buying what they thought was safe because that's what their doctors yeah. were telling them and so and i wonder I think if, they, if, I wonder if the new uh, the new allegations yeah sorry go ahead i was just adding to your comment yeah no i just i, I consumers i agree with gretchen consumers are just not um educated enough to know the difference and when I have, um, you know, older family members from Florida coming to me and asking me questions, that's exactly what I'm having to explain to them, um, you know, that we don't trust their, their we just don't trust it. Yeah, consumers want yeah. high THC products and they want cheap products, right? That's what they want. That's where they go um, to most expenses <laughs> that uh, are offering deals. You know, that's definitely what's happening in Nevada, uh, where, you know, a dispensary, MSO or not, you know, uh, offers deals, and that's where the consumers go. Mm -hmm. and they're seeing, you know, a thousand people a day. I think it'll be interesting if, if we see a the pendulum swinging back the other way when we see more struggles uh, from these major uh, from these major corporations in the game due to a deaths and then uh, b product recalls. We've seen a lot of that. Um, looking at you, Michigan, too. Uh, you can see a lot of people uh, um, coming out with the pitches, uh, with the pitchforks saying, buy local, buy local, buy local, trying to drive these guys out of their states, too. Interesting times ahead. But, Rico, I, I don't see that happening anywhere. Where are these buy local, buy local campaigns? If, I said it'll be interesting if we see that in the near future. Due well, to frankly, isn't everything buy local because they can't go across state lines? So it's not like this product isn't being grown there. Buy, yeah, you probably buy small shop you know. operators. Yeah. 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 yeah small yeah. shops. Well, again, I don't, again, I don't think that's, we're at that stage yet. I think this industry got to grow 50 years before that is a concern. Frankly. Yeah. I think the, I think the, the consumer has to be educated a lot more sure. before we're there. For sure. The old stoner, the old stoners like me go to small shops, <laughs> right? The, uh, the regular consumer or the tourist, they go to brand names that they've heard of or wherever the cab or Uber driver takes them. That part, especially in Vegas, that cab or Uber driver, they are all paid off. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the greatest name here in Nevada is called the dispensary, right? So people mm -hmm. get off the plane and say, take me to the dispensary, and you, not you knowing the, the name of any of them. You see the <laughs> yeah, logo it's called the dispensary. The dispensary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
like strip joints. Yep. Yeah, they get a little uh, kickback. <coughs> Rico. You ready? We got to get an ad. We got to keep it rolling. Oh, yeah, let's go for an ad. I'm sorry. Let's go to an ad. We'll be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Up next is the cannabis industry's longest continuously operating retailer known for smoking the best weed in the world. And whether he's in West Hollywood or he's out in Detroit where they call him White Gucci or if he's out in Mar-a-Lago, his favorite place to be with America's favorite never again president. Up next, <laughs> Jason Beck. Oh, man, you're going to have to. You're going to have to eat those words when he's reelected again, Rico, but, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. It's well, okay. reelected for what Re- reelected to be the president of the United States of America, Todd. Yes, but re-elected to be damn mind. I'm so okay. Cell block. Okay. Captain. Yeah. Right. President of the cell block. Oh man. <laughs> Guys, you guys got jokes, 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 jokes. Oh, I love that, Todd, mm-hmm. president of the cell block, cell block D. Oh, boy. There you go. That's right. Oh, cell boy. block T. Oh, God. <laughs> Here we go. You, you libbies. It's going to be all right. Oh, man. But today, my story has nothing to do with anything that anyone else is talking about today right now. Because despite flood losses, Vermont's cannabis industry is ineligible for federal aid. After floods devastated Montpelier and much of the state last week, Lauren Andrews, owner of Capital Cannabis on Main Street, spent most of her days cleaning up her retail store in the hopes of reopening on Monday. But when she arrived to open up this morning, she found the walls and floors coated in water from what what appeared to be a water leak upstairs. In a quote, she says, we're going to have to gut the whole place and start from scratch, Andrews said on Monday afternoon. On top of that, Uh, An unwelcome discovery, she and the rest of Vermont's cannabis industry got potentially even more unwelcome news today. Confirmation from federal officials that cannabis businesses would not be eligible for any of the federal disaster aid being made available to other types of businesses impacted by last week's historic flooding. In a quote, because we are a federal agency, we have to follow federal law. Carl Dombeck, public information officer for the Small Business Administration, said at a press conference on Monday, cannabis is not legal under federal law, and therefore we are not able to lend to cannabis dispensaries. Any FEMA business assistance program also disqualifies cannabis-related businesses from some re- for some reasons, according to Chelsea Smith, FEMA Individual Assistance Branch Director. She says, uh, similarly, cannabis farmers would be ineligible for federal crop insurance money, even if Governor Scott's emergency request for a U.S. Department of Agriculture disaster declaration is approved because they are not eligible for federal crop insurance, according to John Roberts, USDA, from the Sec- Service Agency Executive Director for Vermont. However, federal and state officials said the cannabis industry workers who lose their jobs due to the floods will be eligible for unemployment because that program is not administered by the state. For a tight-knit industry that has yet to celebrate its first birthday in the state, the news is not unexpected. But it has made industry insiders even more determined to get an accounting of the disaster's impact to share with some state legislatures. 
dozens of other cannabis businesses of every license type and shape and size also in the same boat as Andrews. Suppliers, manufacturers, retailers, and vendors like many other people across the state are all still picking through the debris to determine next steps. Though the flooding might not pose a catastrophic threat to the industry as a whole, Individual businesses across the board are hurting, said James Piper, chair of the Cannabis Control Board, Vermont's regulatory marijuana body. Because the industry is limited to Vermont-grown products, the state cannot supplement a bad crop year without or with outside resources. And in a quote, it's a very independent relationship, Andrew said. When one of us goes down, it hurts everyone. And another quote, all these businesses live on a knife's edge already because of the collapse loop system, Piper said. There's no outlet, there's no pressure release valve in the cannabis industry. And so when something bad like this happens, it can ripple through the entire industry. Alongside Pepper, Joffrey Pizzuzzo, co-founder and executive director of Vermont Growers Association, said he spent the last week in near near uh, constant contact with folks on every rung of the supply chain to get a better picture of how Vermont cannabis is faring. Both the Growers Association and the Cannabis Control Board distributed assessment forms last Wednesday trying to get a better grasp on flood damages and losses. Responses are slowly rolling in, and Puzzatillo said, but the results so far have shown unquestionable damage and loss of both outdoor and indoor crops as well as production facilities. Cannabis growers are facing particular challenges in gauging the extent of the damage because of their unique product, and other agricultural commodities have, have guidance on how to classify damaged or potentially damaged crops, but the Growers Association and Cannabis Control Board are only starting to assess, assess how to do that. Pizzatillo said Compliance Director uh, Kerry uh, Guineer who previously worked for the Vermont Agency of Agriculture, Food and Markets, is looking at plants like raspberries, which have similar pathogen sensitivities for reference. In a quote, we don't we don't consider cannabis an agricultural product, but it it's a seed and it's a crop that grows in the ground, Pepper said. So we can use some of the best practices from the Agency of Agriculture to help deal with this issue in cannabis. Fields uh, that were exposed to flood water will likely need testing for potential wastewater contamination, and Pepper said, but for cultivators whose crop only endured heavy rainfall without flooding, recovery seems likely because of how early in the season it is. Most plants have not yet budded, so there is no worry about mold or mildew causing bud rot, he said. The only cause for concern would be if a farmer used auto flowers plants that grow quickly and are not dependent on traditional lighting schedule. Pepper has also advised uh, Bryn Hare, executive director of the Cannabis Control Board, to reach out to the National Cannabis Regulators Association for additional guidance. He aims to pick the brains of regulators from the Pacific Northwest, which experiences substantial rainfall and, like Vermont, is home to large portion of outdoor cultivators. And this, this article goes on and on and whatnot. You can finish reading it if you like at our website, www.hyatt9news.com. But, man, this is really sucks for all of these workers. I mean, I'm not surprised at all because they are a federally illegal business, so I'm not surprised that they're not eligible for any federal funds. But, nonetheless, it is a sad state of affairs, and maybe the state should apply for some funding to help these businesses out. But this is Jason Beck for the High at Nine News Hour. What do you all think about this? It's another stupid... Another stupid rule, you know, dictated by the Fed, <laughs> right, that uh, just doesn't help small businesses in need. Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, it's uh, just like banking and just like every other, you know, uh, tax incentive we're not allowed to use, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's just another, you know, problem with uh, you know, keeping this non-federally legal. Yeah. I think, um, I think that, well, my question is, are they able to somehow divert some of those funds to the cannabis businesses? Well, that, that, that's what I think should happen on a state level. I think the state should uh, should be applying for some type of extra type of grant money or whatnot and then diverting a portion of those funds to some of these businesses for their disaster relief um, because we all know that they're not going to get anywhere with, uh, with, with the federal yeah. government. The state can't ask the feds to give them money to then take that's care right. of these people. That's not how I'm not I'm not saying that, Gretchen. I'm saying where they get where's Vermont getting this I'm, money? I'm from saying I'm saying that? Vermont should ask overall for some disaster relief funds. Ask who? The federal government for disaster well, relief exactly. funds. They, it's not going to happen. So the, there's absolutely no way the Vermont government can say, Hey, FEMA, give us some money for our residents. And then go give it to cannabis people. That's not how it works. That's the whole point. Well, um, uh, that's why they can't get relief from FEMA. Fair enough. Fair enough, Gretchen. Fair, fair, fair point. What I would suggest if I were a Vermonter or a Vermontonian, we have, we have I don't know what they call those folks. Um, they they call them a, in the audience. They call them what? We have one in the audience yeah. today. What do they call them? They they are called um, they're called Vermontans. Vermontans. Yeah, Vermontans. Yeah. If, I don't know if you're making that shit up or if you're <laughs> whatever. My point is, uh, there are a number of state programs and grants uh, through the state, not through the feds, um, that I think if somebody wanted to get creative with, uh, with restructuring their grow, there are a number of them around clean water initiatives, conservation. If you can say we're going to implement these types of changes, I would say perhaps go for a local state grant to try and get money for your business that way. That's well, well Gretchen, uh, Vermont... There's a shit ton of state grant programs. Gretchen, Vermont Alternatives, which is a uh, cannabis dispensary in Vermont that mm -hmm. uh, tunes into Hyatt 9 News regularly and plays it for their customers in there, says the state could also take some of the millions in tax revenue they've generated from the plant to help these farmers. And I, I totally agree with that. Use some of these cannabis oh, taxes to help out with this. Uh, Jason, that... That tax money is earmarked for somebody else. Who's going to give up that cash? Bernie Sanders. Yeah, Bernie Sanders is is is, is all about this kind of thing. He should he should be lobbying hard all for something like this. Is send some of the money to the cannabis support. Go ahead, play it again, Rico. Uh, uh. I am once again asking for your financial support. There we go. There we go. $785 million is up for grabs out of Florida because uh, uh, Ron DeSanctimonious decided not to give it to his people. Mm -hmm. And Gretchen. Uh, um, and I'm looking at a 2023 flood disaster response and recovery resources on the state website. Um, so I would suggest people need to be looking at their state agencies for help. There are things out there. And uh, Gretchen, uh, Willie, Willie says that they are Vermontonians. Oh, thank Rico, you, Willie. Yes. Instead of Jason back with the Vermontans. Well, I mean, I just know, um, I just know about like uh, the the Green Mountain State. It is is referred to, and that's what's on its license plate. Do they really have Green Mountains? Yes. Just the trees on it. It's just all the trees, bro. Green Mountains, bro. It's very lush out there. Very lush. 
Lots of oxygen being produced in Vermont that they don't tax. I'm surprised about that. Mm-hmm. Open up them nose. <laughs> oh, man, we're going to keep it moving. Coming up next, that's right, we have our spicy redheaded conservative who loves to tell Paul Love and Libs all about themselves. She's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and loves to wear pineapples. That's right, it is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. Decent back. I don't wear pineapples. I collect pineapples. I have very few pieces of apparel with pineapples on them. But so you have I'm some. Coming up with that. You have some. I have like a pineapple shirt, and it doesn't even look that good. I don't know. But not the point. Uh, the point is Washington once again sucking at its job. Uh, headlines: Senators seek to legalize medical marijuana for veterans and enact other cannabis reforms through defense bill. Democratic senators are seeking to pass a series of marijuana reform amendments, including a proposal to legalize medical cannabis for military veterans through a must-pass defense bill that's set to be considered this week. Lawmakers are aiming to attach the cannabis measures as well as a separate GOP-sponsored amendment that would ramp up fentanyl-related enforcement while removing barriers to research for Schedule One drugs to the NDAA. While the House under GOP control squashed more than a dozen bipartisan drug policy reform amendments that were proposed for the chamber's version of the NDA last week, the Senate is attempting to use its bill to advance other incremental changes. One of the new amendments led by Senator Brian Schatz would allow veterans to use medical cannabis in states and territories where it is legal, mirroring a standalone bill that the senator introduced in April. It would additionally protect doctors who discuss and fill out paperwork to recommend medical marijuana for veterans, and it would require the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs to support clinical trials investigating the therapeutic effects of cannabis in the treatment of conditions such as pain and post-traumatic stress disorder that commonly afflict veterans. Marijuana and its compounds show promise for pain management and treating a wide range of diseases and disorders, including post-traumatic stress disorder. Medical marijuana in states where it is legal may serve as a less harmful alternative to opioids in treating veterans. The amendment is being co-sponsored by Senators Cory Booker, Ron Wyden, John Fetterman, Alex Padilla, Mark Kelly, Tim Kaine, and Peter Welch. Schatz and other lawmakers have sought to attach the veterans' cannabis language to earlier versions of the NDA in past years, but have never received a vote on the issue. Another new measure that's being supported by Wyden would make it so prior use of marijuana may be relevant but not determinative to adjudications of the eligibility of the individual for access to classified information or the eligibility of the individual to hold a sensitive position. The discriminatory policy would be less far-reaching than a related amendment that Representative Robert Garcia tried to attach to the House version of the NDAA that would have prevented the denial of security clearances for federal jobs based solely on prior cannabis use, but was ultimately not made in order for floor consideration by the Rules Committee. Another Senate amendment being considered this week would add the language of the Full Intelligence Authorization Act to the NDAA, along with the section of that legislation that would prohibit the denial of releasing classified information to an employee at an intelligence agency like the CIA, based solely on their mission of using marijuana prior to applying for security clearance. The underlying intelligence bill was amended in committee to include the cannabis provision, which was also sponsored by Wyden. Also, Senator Bill Cassidy filed an amendment to the NDAA with language from the Halt All Lethal Trafficking of Fentanyl Act, the House version of which advanced through the full chamber in May. The main thrust of the proposal is to increase federal criminalization of fentanyl analogs, 
which drug policy reform advocates have criticized as a backwards punitive response to the overdose crisis. But it also contains additional provisions to streamline research into Schedule One drugs like marijuana and psychedelics. It is unclear if Senate Democrats and Republicans will reach an agreement on inserting any of the amendments in the final bill or if the GOP-controlled House would be willing to go along with them if they are ultimately attached on the Senate side. Uh, coming from where I sit, I don't see any of this moving forward except maybe the fentanyl one. I don't see, once again, them giving the green light for veterans to be allowed to use medical marijuana in states. The House said no. The Senate's going to say no. And even if the Senate, for some reason, has their head up their asses and puts it forward, the House is going to kill it in committee. Uh, this is Gretchen Pry at 9 News. I totally agree with you on this. I'm surprised this is even a story, especially with the story I believe you covered yesterday, Gretchen. Well, the story is that the House tried. They said suck it. Uh, so the Senate's trying, and they're going to say suck it. Mm-hmm. That's my story in a nutshell. It's a lot of sucking That's going on. Shout out, shout out to Brian Schatz. He's from Hawaii. Um, got to meet with him when we were in D.C. Um, and seems like a... Um, you know that that he understands what veterans need. He's talking to a lot of veterans. Is that is that the same um, senator? Am I getting that right? That's correct. Um, yeah. But and- the problem is they're not coming up with actual solutions that the VA and the DOD can live with. They keep coming up with shit that just has no chance in hell. Mm-hmm. So you think that just nobody is talking to these these groups of people? Like nobody's ha- sitting down and having conversations to say to say to them what is got actually what they're willing to allow to pass and try to find that middle ground. They're just they're not up going with stuff. to allow anything yeah. to pass. You need mm. rescheduling for something to happen. There is absolutely no way the armed services is going to allow their veterans or their current war fighters to use an e- federally illegal substance. Not happening. Doesn't matter if it's legal in that medical state or not. I mean, they allow them to do other things. I mean, didn't we talk to Sean Kiernan last week or the week before, and he was saying that all veterans can already do this and there's no penalty uh, at the Well, the, the difference VA. between this, Todd, is not just recommending but saying they're actually allowed to use it. So there's a difference mm. between talking to your doctor and yada yada, which Sean is correct. They can already do that. But, yes, and, and you so have this no penalty like, for using it is different. This right. What, what this are the penalties? Do they, did they say in the article? Well, according to Sean, there are no penalties that he has right. yet to find a veteran that has been um, impacted by using cannabis. So at this point, the army is kind of like it's like a don't ask, don't tell. Right. Like, we Seems like it, but we just don't talk about it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Sure. Not not not. Exactly. I think I think I think um, I think that's more on the veteran side. Exactly. I wouldn't say on the active. Yeah, active duty side. is not the case. Right, right. Yes. I had a. Um, I had an interesting conversation this weekend with a guy I did not know was a DOJ agent until he showed me his business card. Did um, you take the handcuffs off before you uh, had the conversation with him? <laughs> no, we were having a, a, a lively debate on cannabis legalization. I let him know I'm in the industry. And, um, and then he's like, I actually am in the, I work for the DOJ. He didn't believe me, showed me his card. He said that he doesn't see anything happening with anybody on a federal level um, until this federal legalization. And um, he said that there's plenty of him and his buddies that would love to, and they actually can recruit 
guys uh, um, now because the numbers are so low of uh, people who have not smoked in their past. He said, but he doesn't see anything happening until federal legalization at all. And they still get randomly tested, everybody in the federal government. Randomly tested, huh? That's pretty interesting. Yeah. It's all random. He said they get a heads up, but he says usually no longer than a week um, ahead. If that give you some time to do some laps and drink some cranberry juice and sweat that shit out, huh? Make sure you get a haircut. <laughs> and acquire, and acquire some clean piss. The Wizenator was my go-to when I was in college. I'm, I'm willing to make bet sure, that if you're... Make sure it's the, sure the proper shade, though. I'm willing to bet that, that they have someone in there with you um, to hold your cup or something uh, in, in regards with federal drug testing. I know, like, the NCAA yeah, will, yeah, will do that. If you have the Wizenator applied properly, then um, it's, it's hard to tell. I promise. Uh, yes. Yeah. The, wiz- anyway, the Wizenator is a great product. <laughs> Who gets that job holding the cup? <laughs> the water boy. Somebody down bad. You got to be down bad to be that guy. <laughs> Nicole, Nicole, what do you have to say, Nicole? I have a question. Um, So now that we are in these states all over the country that are adult use legal and you are going into spaces and places in public where you smell um, cannabis smoke, are there more federal employees that are are peeing hot now because of just being in contact with? Is that enough to get into your system that if you're randomly drug tested, it comes up hot? I mean, there are a lot more spaces publicly where I smell. I mean, just walking down the streets of New York City is a whole new world now. It's not like it was. That's not that's not going to that's not going to make you pass a a fail a drug test, Nicole. But what Um, will what will make you fail a drug test is actually handling and touching the actual product, because that will seep into your pores and give them enough of a reading in order to to not pass a drug test. The secondhand smoke? No, there's that, no, there's Jason nothing in that. secondhand smoke that's going to get you high. That's just totally ridiculous. But what I, if you what, been... what if you were in a room full of smokers the night before, and then you have a random test the next yeah. day? Let me tell you something. You probably shouldn't be in a room full of smokers, first of all, if you have a test tomorrow. If you're, if you're hotboxing someone, then I would say, yes, it's a possibility. If you're walking past someone on the sidewalk smoking, Not no, a chance. So. Zero chance um, of that. However, Jason Beck, I've been told by folks, because I've inquired about topicals before, that transdermally you will not pop on a test. Well, that's I not I know going into your bloodstream, so that's not. I didn't I didn't true. say transdermally. I didn't say transdermally, Gretchen. I said touching you it. You said if they're handling. I said well, yeah, handling handling actual flowers. I've I, I've witnessed this from one of my employees who was. Uh, you understand uh, the definition of transdermal? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me let me, let me tell you my story first, Gretchen, and then we'll go in. Then we'll go into what you're talking I'm about. I had an employee. To hear this. Okay, I had an employee. Okay who was getting drug tested because they were in the process of getting custody of their child. Okay. Mm -hmm. And in this process, um, he was, he was testing positive because he didn't ever, he didn't smoke cannabis, but he, when we would weigh up the weed and whatnot, then he would, he would touch it and whatnot. And so he was actually testing positive from that. Although the, the, the test was like, was like super low as far as the contam- contamination in his body. Um, but they, they said, they said, now they said, you start wearing gloves. And so he started wearing gloves and then he, he, pissed fine after that so yes 100 percent. you can get it from touching weed you can fail a drug test yes that's facts i so oh, don't okay. believe this bullshit that i froze um oh. i would love to talk to a medical practitioner about this well we'll have dr talleyrand here on friday buy that for a second well it's oh, reality wait, wait. 
person was she also yes. inhaling the the um the hairs coming off of the flower as he you know you know uh, no 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 but but we did allow smoking in the dispensary during that time but at the same time once he started wearing gloves he did not test positive again so that's my point is that it does soak into your pores when you touch it actually touch it you should be wearing gloves anyway Right. This is this is long before gloves were even a thing at all in any gloves, cannabis gloves, dispensary. Gloves, gloves were a thing. Gloves this is, this, this is the early yeah, this is the early two thousands right. I'm talking about right here, Todd. All right, we need to keep it moving. Once yes, again, we do. Let's go to a commercial. We'll be right back. I only spit facts and truthisms, Gretchen. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, man, whatever you're doing, make sure you go and head over and hit that like button and make sure that you're subscribed to the channel if you haven't already. Oh, yeah, and make sure you go and check out our website, www.hyatt9news.com, where you can read all of the stories that we cover today. Check them out, share them with your friends and whatnot, and we'll be right back after this next message from our sponsors. Hyatt 9 News invites you to join us and become a sponsor, supporter, and attendee for the second annual Envision Gala for This Is Jane Project, a nonprofit organization leading the way in advocating for trauma-informed care. This Is Jane Project offers a range of programs designed to shed light, build community, and uplift the lives of women and non-binary trauma survivors who use cannabis as medicine. Support this event that is sure to make an impact today. For more information about sponsorship opportunities, visit www.thisisjaneproject.org. Up next, it's the National Community Program Director for M4MM, Power 88 Las Vegas' friendly neighborhood encyclopedia on Wednesday mornings and the greatest ambassador of Purple Hair Matters initiatives nationwide, Nicole Buffon. Welcome <laughs> back. <laughs> Thanks so much. Uh, we go for the um, of course, my story is coming out of Africa, uh, the continent. Um, this another country in Africa is passes the law to allow cultivation of medicinal and industrial cannabis. Um, Ghana's Minister of Interior can now issue permits for the cultivation of cannabis, but only for industrial purposes. The plants will have THC limits. THC is the principal psychoactive constitu constituent <laughs> in cannabis, uh, This, i.e. the part that makes you high. This is in the article. The law legalizing cultivating cannabis for industrial medical uses was approved by Ghana's parliament, allowing the West African country to participate in the multi-billion dollar worldwide market. That's from Bloomberg. This major milestone, according to the report, follows the Supreme Court's intervention, which prevented the legislation's passage by ruling that Section 43 of the statute was unconstitutional. Parliament then passed the Narcotics Control Commission Amendment Bill in 2023, and it's now waiting to be enacted. The government wants to make use of cannabis industrial potential and investigate its usage in the creation of fiber and seed with controlled growth. Many African states that prosecuted citizens for cannabis-related offenses for years are now promoting legal cannabis cultivation. 
Over the past five years, at least 10 countries have passed laws to legalize production for medical and scientific purposes. These include Lesotho, Zimbabwe, South Africa, Uganda, Malawi, Zambia, Ghana, Eswatini, Rwanda, and Morocco. However, according to the conversation, um, there are still policy and practical concerns requiring attention if cannabis sector changes are to have a beneficial impact on the economy and the livelihoods of Africans. Among them is requirement to guarantee the involvement of ordinary producers in the legal cannabis industry. This is because it appears, surprise, surprise, that corporate firms are being favored over smallholder farmers under the new regulatory frameworks. Um, this does not surprise me. Uh, this is what is being done in other countries, including right here in the United States, um, giving favor to uh, these big corporations versus small craft growers um, and the people who have been doing it the longest. Unfortunately, um, they are always seem to be last to the table when these conversations are happening. Uh, I like to see that Ghana is coming online. They understand and recognize the medicinal use and purposes for the plant. Um, and the industrial uses for it. Um, there's, it's unique. Africa's in a unique position right now um, with the amount of land space and the rich nutrient soil that we know it has to really produce, um, to supply the world when it comes to hemp, industrial hemp and industrial products. They have the land space to do it. So I'm excited to see Ghana come online, but this is why I do the work that I do. Um, I, I, the work that I do with them for MM is not just here domestically. It is a global effort. Um, obviously, the work I also do with ACHEM, shout out to my ACHEM family. Um, it is a global effort and, and my focus and my focus has been specifically in the Caribbean and throughout the African continent to make sure that they do it right and they get it right. So this is Nicole this Bufong reporting for Hyatt 9 News. I'd love to hear what you all think about this. This news. I love this story and I love the work that you do, Nicole. Uh, big shout out to ACAM fam. Big Yay. shout out to MM. And um, Africa seems like it's chugging along. You know, um, it seemed like they were going to be late, late, late to the party. But all these other stall, all these other stalls that we've seen in the European nations and not, you know, I ain't got to mention America. Looks like they're, they're going to be in a good position once this thing settles out. Well, this new effort, um, what is it called? Brex? Brex? Is it called Brex? It's not Brexit um, you're talking about, right? Oh, definitely not Brexit. It's, it's, it's South it's Africa, Brick. China. It's it's called what? I think it's the BRICS. Yeah, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and so it's it's but it's with a C. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how that um, all rolls out because they're going to be coming out with their own currency very soon here. Um, and South Africa is the only country right now inside of this uh, coalition, but I think more African countries are going to jump on board this. And so we're going to see how it's going to affect, because they're being backed by gold, um, yeah, which so is very so, interesting. Yeah, so, so, so not to jump too deep into conspiracy. Oh, theories, I, know, I know where you're going with this. this. Like they're, yep. trying to, they're trying to revive uh, um, the Gaddafi movement. Yep, exactly. Uh, I was just thinking was, that. I was like, someone's going to get killed because of this. Hillary Clinton, uh, yep. uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Mitch McConnell, and then went over there and had a party on his grave. He was bold enough to just say all of us African countries come together, and they did not want that for sure. Um, South Africa is taking this approach by coming in with other countries, not just African countries, but it's still going to be interesting to see what happens, how this plays out. But you're absolutely right. I think it sounds very eerily um, similar. Sounds like someone's getting offed. You can you can't off all of them. Yeah, you can. I hear you, Gretchen. 
You're on mute, Gretchen. There you go. Shout out to Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham and uh, and Hillary Clinton and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi all over there yucking it up like they're all good friends, good pals, all of them in the same boat. Mm -hmm. What do you have to okay, say, Gretchen? Whatever. My question is for Nicole. Oh. Um, going back to the story um, about Ghana, do you have concerns that they are just going for uh, industrial purposes? Um. No, I mean, not according to this report, not according to this article. Um, they definitely mentioned medicinal use and they want to do their own research. My concern, and it has been for all of these African countries, it's what South Africa did. Um, it's why their hemp industrial um, industry is delayed, is that they are going to enforce colonized seeds versus seeds that are actually indigenous to the land. And that's a problem because when you try to bring seeds from Europe and grow them in Africa, the shit doesn't work. So they need to be focused on their own land race genetics and making sure that they are giving the energy towards those, doing the research on those, allowing those to flourish in the country on the land that they're intended to be grown on. And so that's my biggest concern, um, just making sure that they're not trying to follow Western, you know, saying, oh, we can only have 0.3% THC in it to be qualified as hemp. No, that's not true. That's what the United States has decided and qualified as hemp. But hemp is a, is a it's a plant that has many uses and it doesn't that specific dna profile does not make it specifically industrial hemp um it, it's it, there's a range of that cannabinoid profile that can make it industrial hemp so i that's what i'm hoping that they do and that's that's the work that achem is doing that we're doing to to you know lobbying to them advocating to them trying to educate them on how important their own genetics are versus trying to bring in genetics from somewhere else Nicole, do these these seeds? You you said that they're colonized. Do they come with like little pilgrim hats when you purchase them? Um, I know you're trying to be funny, but the fact is that colonizers are coming into Africa and stealing genetics, and that's why I call them that because that's what they are. Okay, colonizers, colonizers. That's what they are. When you come into somewhere else and you take something that belongs to that land and claim it as your own, um, and go back and make money from it, it's it's colonization. Um, and you're stealing it. You're not asking for it. You're not sharing in the wealth with the people that you're taking it from. Um, you're stealing it and, and claiming it as your own. So, yes. They don't come yeah, with Jason. pilgrim hats. Yes. Cool. What do you have to say about that, Jason? I don't have nothing to say. I was just asking if they came with little <laughs> pilgrim hats. I just want to know if they come with pilgrim hats. Like you get a little, little prize like in your Cracker Jack box or something. pilgrim hats, but they are definitely colonizers. All right. All right. Oh, yeah. We're going to keep it moving. We're going to move right on into Todd Dankin. He is the founder of Digipath Labs out in Las Vegas, Nevada, where you need to get your testing done if you're out there. He's also the creator of the Smuggleverse, which is a little NFT project for all the smugglers out there. That's right. It is Mr. The Voice, Mr. Todd Dankin. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, thank you. No, go on. No, really. No, really. No. Re oh, here we go. Um, my uh, story is uh, about medical marijuana and how uh, the state medical board rejects autism and OCD for medical marijuana uses. State Medical Board of Ohio on Wednesday rejected adding autism and obsessive compulsive disorder to the list of qualifying conditions doctors are permitted to recommend for treatment with medical marijuana, only approving adding irritable bowel syndrome. Matt Close, executive director of Ohio Medical Cannabis Industry Association, which is a trade association representing licensed cultivators, processors, dispensaries, and testing labs, 
in the state's medical marijuana control program said, the available scientific evidence and the experience of countless patients and doctors tell us there are thousands of Ohioans suffering from these conditions who could benefit from treatment with medical marijuana. State medical boards vote to allow IBS but reject autism and OCD follows the recommendations of the board's medical marijuana committee. Medical marijuana could be used to treat some of the symptoms of IBS, such as pain, nausea, and vomiting, said the committee's expert on IBS, Dr. Frederick Slezak. Another advantage of medical marijuana is it can be used to treat acute attacks, whereas many other treatments for IBS are used for long-term treatment, the committee said. In regard to autism, the committee's experts discussed a need for more placebo-controlled studies. Dr. Larray Copley, one of the committee's experts, said she suspected that interest around using medical marijuana to treat autism is due to observations of people using CBD as an anti-seizure medicine exhibited better behaviors and less irritability when they also concurrently had autism. But she also said that there is a lack of random controlled trials involving cannabis and autism. The committee said the risks of medical marijuana for those living with autism include induction of psychosis, impact on cognitive development, and other side effects. In regard to the OCD, the committee's OCD expert, Dr. Timothy Kantz, how can you get anything by a guy, by a guy with his last name as Kantz, right? Dr. Timothy Kantz said... Some studies showed some compelling indications of positive responses, but he found the quality of that evidence to be weak and counterbalanced with concerns about potential negative side effects, such as cannabis use disorder. There are currently a number of qualifying medical conditions under the state's medical marijuana program, including acquired immune deficiency syndrome, Alzheimer's disease, amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, cancer, chronic traumatic I can't even say this word, esophilopathy, uh, Crohn's disease, epilepsy, or another seizure disorder, fibromyalgia, glaucoma, hepatitis C, inflam- uh, IBS, multiple sclerosis, Parkinson's, positive status for HIV, post-traumatic stress disorder. So here they can uh, use it for post-traumatic stress disorder and wonder if they'll get in trouble with the uh, VA. Also on the list, sickle cell anemia, spinal cord disease or injury, Tourette syndrome, traumatic brain injury, ulcerative colitis, and pain that is either of the following, either chronic and or severe or intractable. Ohioans can also petition the state medical board under Ohio Revised Code for permission of a disease or condition to be added as a qualifying medical condition for medical marijuana treatment. The next submission period is scheduled for November 1st through December 31st, According to the state medical board, anyone may submit a petition requesting a condition to be added to the Ohio Medical Marijuana Control Board. If a condition has been previously rejected by the board, new petition must contain new scientific information that supports the request. If only we were allowed to do some scientific research, we might come up with some scientific evidence. I'm Todd Dankin with High uh, High at Nine News. Uh, What do you guys think about... uh, Autism and OCD being rejected. This is ridiculous. I think it's totally crazy. This is totally crazy. And and the fact that they have a list of approved, they have the full list of approved conditions. Yeah, they do. Well, at the same time, though, I don't really expect a lot out of Ohio because they can't even get their measurements right. They make you sell tenths of a of an ounce. 
when they sell what? and not eighths. Yeah. So <laughs> really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You cannot buy an eighth in Ohio. They they make you sell it by the tenth. But they got they got plenty of swag in Ohio though. You know what I'm saying? I do have that. So, so, so they, they, they actually consulted with medical doctors. They have a medical board. That's what you mentioned, Todd, right? Yeah, that, so that's correct. They, yeah. And even after the medical doctors recommended that it should be, they still said no. Uh, that is correct. They still said no because it needs more research. That is just so, so, so ridiculous. This is the land of of John Boehner and Nick Lachey. What do you expect? Why not, why, why not just allow it, though? Why not just allow it and then be able to conduct the research that you want to yeah. justify 100%. the position? Yeah. This makes absolutely zero sense to just say, oh, no, 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 no. And then all of these people are forced back into the illicit market for whatever they're doing. Well, they're afraid of cannabis use disorder. How many people do you know suffer from cannabis use disorder? I don't know. I, I know question. I, I, I question. I, I question. I question that. You know. I... Well, well, those numbers are going up because that's being forced on our veterans, right? That's that's where that that term even comes from, and they're pushing it on our veterans right now in states where it's not legal, um, and and saying that that's what they have when they admit to their doctors that they're using cannabis instead of these fucking opioids that are killing them. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's interesting to see that I, I just it's so sad, um, you know, it frustrates me to no end when politicians who are not doctors are making decisions for patients. And it's just it's really sad that they would deny a disease, especially at this point where we have autism. I, I don't know about OCD, but I definitely know autism is on the list in several states. And for them to look at other states and know that there are patients that need it and are using it and to deny their patients in the state. It's just sad. And that's exactly what they do. They're just strengthening the um, the legacy market. That's I just it. wonder, well, too. Nicole, yeah. I would just, I, I'd like to not, I hate disagreeing with you. However, <laughs> uh, there, there are a number of folks on this medical board who are doctors. Uh, yeah. This is not, this is not a group of politicians who made this decision. Um, well, oh, I was asking. I thought it was, I thought it was the board that recommended to the politicians that it should be added and they said no. But this it's is the my understanding the state medical board said no to these. Is that not correct, Todd? That is correct. The state's medical board voted to allow IBS but reject autism and OCD. Oh. It says they have following nine the recommendations. Right. Following nine the recommendations and three non physicians. I wonder how many people how many people that, that, that have those types of diagnoses go to a doctor and have to fake a different diagnosis just to receive the medical treatment that they're seeking out. All of them. Yeah, I wonder I wonder what the conversation was in the room before they approved or disapproved this stuff. Like, y'all got autism? Nah. Y'all got the runs? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to – do you have anything else on this, Gretchen? You look like you found something well, on the Internet. No, no, no. I'm just I'm looking at the <laughs> qualifications of the medical board. Uh, I mean, you guys like some facts. Yep. Back. We I'm love facts. I, I like All facts. the different types of doctors that there are on this board. Mm -hmm. um, Which is that they're misinformed. Um, I, it would be – I think when you move forward with these types of medical boards in the future, perhaps they should be – looking to involve someone from the cannabis space. And I'm not, and I'm talking about, you know, a, a physician who has worked with it because it doesn't including appear a, here a, that any of those folks may have had actual interaction with it yet. Yeah. But including but the, the parent of an autistic, you know, person. 
I hear right. you, but they don't. They won't go for anecdotal evidence, Todd. I mean, yeah, I can to be see where they're coming from. I can see them going for more tests, actual, like they said, more uh, research. Um, yeah, that's what they said they want. They want to do more research, but how are they going to do more research if they're not going to give it to some patients? Exactly. Well, there, I mean, there is more research elsewhere. Perhaps these folks did not present the correct research to these people. I think, I think there's tons of research out there. Historically sure. speaking, they, they don't move on stuff like this if it doesn't matter if the research says one thing or another. It matters sure. if one of them is personally affected by it. That's yeah. exactly actually, right. And, uh, exactly and, right. and, and Justin says the I average think age. some broad statements there. Justin. I'm going to do some Googling myself over here, Gretchen. All right. <laughs> do some Googling. Yeah. I would hope that these folks are medical professionals, which the bulk of them are, and would actually take into consideration the actual facts and data. Justin says Justin says the average age of the medical board is 72 years old on this board. But um, we, we have a quick video to show you guys for, for our last story before we close out today. This is a quick little video. If you want to read the article, you can head over to our website, www.hyatt9news.com. Adam, play the video. Back now with Coast Guard crew members unloading an estimated $158 million worth of drugs in San Diego. Specifically, the crews brought ashore nearly 12,000 pounds of cocaine, 5,500 pounds of marijuana as well. The drugs were seized from smugglers in the Pacific by three Coast Guard cutter crews between May and this month. There has been a settlement That's in a another deadly case connected to convicted killer Alec Murdoch. He is serving a life. Yeah, there we go. That is, man, big, big bus down in the San Diego area today. Big, big bus. Big shout out to Dago, man. Man, <laughs> man, I'll tell you what, that's all that was all brickweed, bro. It's all brickweed. <laughs> Big shout out to my people down in Dago. But thank you all you're, for joining. You're on us. mute, Nicole. You're, you're on mute. Yeah, well, it was coming in. It was coming in. Oh. Yes. All right. Big, big thank you to everybody joining us today for another episode of High Nine News. You can catch us weekdays at 9 a.m. Pacific and High Noon on the East Coast. Big shout out to our super fans showing love, getting their comments projected live on the big screen. Also to the live audience members and online supporters catching us across all media platforms, tuning in and giving us feedback on the daily headlines. Our vetted correspondent team tuning in from all over, bringing us much needed variety and perspective and your respected opinions to the table. Our production team, Cloud Media Partners, House of Fuego, The Vortex, all our sponsors helping us keep the lights on and keeping our AV struggles to a minute. Minimum. And of course, the lovely Jaja Simone holding us down on all the other platforms, not our main frame right here. And to the haters out there, keep on hating. We're going to keep on loving y'all. But you know what? Come through with that hatred with a donation and become a super fan. Put your hatred out there for everybody to see so we can call you out too. Always, Cannabis Sativa L, the reason the Hyatt 9 News team shows up to read these headlines daily. Thank you. It has been Tuesday, July 18, 2023. Show is over. You've all been blessed with today's top industry headlines. Hope it was enough for you to put in your pipe and smoke at least until tomorrow. I'm Rico Lamid, the dopest dad on the street, with your daily reminder that when life gives you no place else to turn, you can always turn the fuck up. And Nicole Buffong, you got the outro today. What you got for these beautiful people? She she's already dipped on us, bro. She's already dipped. Damn. <laughs> what you got for these good people, man? I got some. Uh, have a great great Tuesday. Uh, if you're in Nevada, like Jay, like uh, Jason said, you know, make sure you come to uh, Digipath Labs. Make sure your product is tested at Digipath Labs. A little shameless plug. Yeah. And uh, if you're looking for some digital weed, head on over to the Smuggleverse.com. It's just Smuggleverse.com and see what we got going over there. 
We're building a Web3 game that's pretty exciting that uh, we're going to start playing as soon as it's ready right here on High at Nine. Boom! Oh, yeah.